So if you decide I'm going to invest 10, 15% of my income so that I can invest in real estate and other things, just don't ever consider that money as money usable until you get to the point where you stop working for a living and now you can live off of that income. Welcome to Getting Money Right with your two favorite hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson. In this episode, we're talking about investing in real estate. This is our four part of investing series, and we're going to go over the types of real estate investing available and drill down on two or three that are most common for the average investor. So today we're going to be talking about real estate. And the question really is, you know, Leo, why would I venture into real estate? Uh, you know, it seems like it could be a little risky. It seems like it's a lot of hard work. Well, let's talk about that. The first and foremost, in my mind, is the diversification. Uh, I mean, we've talked about stocks and bonds and mutual funds. But if you add in real estate, that's a whole other level of diversification and the cool thing here is that you have a lot more control over this area because you are managing property. You know where the property is. You know how the market is doing in that area. You get to drive by and physically, A, say, hey, I own that. That feels a little cool, but you have more control if somebody is not taking care of the property that you're renting out to. You have the control to move them out. If it's a stock in somebody else's company, you don't have the control to go tell um, Warren Buffett, hey, I'm going to fire you from Berkshire Hathaway, or hey, I'm mad at you, Steve Jobs. You know, I know he's gone now, but it's like you can't go control the CEO or the owner of the company. You can control this piece of property. And there's a bunch of really cool tax benefits that are not available with most other investments. And when you begin to compound these different tax advantages, you can have a much broader income and, and return on investment. So when I'm looking at the different types of real estate, there's so many to choose from. This yes, is another are. cool thing. <laughs> uh, you've got your single family homes. You've got duplexes or multifamily where you may put two and even four families in one unit or four units in one one home one building that's a cool cool opportunity to get four rents with only one property that you're managing or two rents with only one property that you're managing uh, you could fix and flip and I think that we all watch different television shows. You could probably name five off the top of your head. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Chip and JoJo fan, Chip and Joanna from Waco, Texas. Yeah, me too. Uh, you know, let's talk about looking at these homes, what's available. Uh, I do a few, just a few renovations. Um, change the flooring, change the ceiling, get rid of the popcorn, uh, yeah, get rid of the wallpaper, and you flip it. And, and if you know what you're doing, that's the thing, that's education. But if you know what you're doing, the margin and return on investment can be huge. But there's also risk involved in that well as well. So uh, there's a bunch of different types. You could go into commercial, offices, retail. Uh, you could step into wholesaling and actually just be looking to make a deal. Like maybe you find the property and you're the middleman and you say, hey, I'm going to make sure that this buyer is going to be connected with this seller and is going to be connected with these investment funds. And you kind of connect things. That's a great way to make a good profit margin with low risk. Uh, large apartments, mobile home parks, owner financing. Leo, the opportunities are endless here. And so that's why. That's why we would step out this direction. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and what I love about real estate is that if you've ever lived in a home, you qualify. Because you've dealt yeah. with the stuff that you deal with when you own a home. Yeah. So regardless of whether you have a single family home or a duplex or a multifamily or commercial or whatever, yes, there are different laws and there's different things that you need to know to make sure that you're abiding by all those things and 
understanding the laws as a, as a landlord and understanding the rights of a renter. Sure, those things, but all those things are learned skills. You can learn those things. All that information is readily available to all of us. So if you're somewhat mechanically inclined, you can lower some of the cost if you get into these investments, especially if you decide to do some flip, uh, you know, fix and flip. Because you can buy a second property, right? Save up a little bit of money, put it down on this property, flip it in sixty to ninety days, and you could you can potentially make twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars depending on the market you're in. That's a significant amount of money for most people. It could be half a year's salary for some folks. And what I've learned and what I've seen people do is they'll do flips in order to build some equity. And then they'll take that and buy a piece of property, and then they use that as cash flow. So there's so many different ways to leverage real estate as an investment, both for long-term, but also for short-term cash flow gain. We're going to talk a little bit about what that looks like, but it really, it makes so much sense to do it. And again, it's not for everybody, but what I want to do through this particular episode is to demystify and maybe even talk about some of the reasons why people would say, oh, I would never do that. Because I think they're walking away from something that could potentially change the way they live and change their financial situation maybe for a lifetime, maybe even for future generations. So it's something I think that I would like to just dive into enough to help people understand it better. And then, of course, it's up to them what they want to do with it. But I, I personally think it's a great, great opportunity. And I think this is fun, Leo, as we do this show, because you know I've done pretty much all of my long-term investing into the IRAs and Roth IRAs and 401ks and 403bs. And I, I've stepped into the market as a whole. But Leo, you've really leveraged the investment side in property. And so people are going to get both sides of this. And, and I want to one day own rental property. Uh, I've been going slow and taking it step by step. But but I love that you've stepped into this. I've stepped into what we talked about in the last couple episodes. And, and so have you, but we can we can talk about all of these things and see you know, how do I take control of my future? Because each individual person listening, they've got their own aspirations, their own dreams, and and they're wired differently. So this is fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've I've started studying uh, real estate eight years ago. And then after two years of really studying it and getting together with some friends that were already doing real estate, I dove in. I just decided, okay, I think I know enough head knowledge. I had enough head knowledge and education to step in. And yes, that was a bit frightened of the, you know, horrible tenant that I might get or a renter and and all of that. But ultimately I knew that this was a good bet. I, I looked at everything and I decided, okay, this is this is something I can do. And if you do it right, if you anticipate some of the things that might come your way and put some things in place to make sure that you don't have those kind of scenarios. Again, what David said at the beginning of the episode, you have more control. You can decide when to buy, you decide if it's a good deal. Um, when you buy a stock or a mutual fund, you can choose the rate, right? Yeah. But that rate is set. You don't get to decide. It's not a variable rate. You get to decide, am I going to take this fund, this particular thing, and how yeah, much it's going to Yeah, if I can buy it at a certain price, exactly. you, you, it's hard to find a discount. You know, there there are quote-unquote value companies, but if it's truly an efficient market like we talked about, then the rate is set and you're hoping it goes up in value in the future. You're betting that it will, yeah. but you can't. You can't and say, hey, uh, you know, Microsoft, I'll, I'll give you... $90 for your stock instead of 100. You know, whatever the rate is, you can't you can't lower it based on a negotiation. You're buying at the market rate. Exactly. With real estate is different in so, in so many aspects. But one of them is that you can add value. When you when you decide to buy a piece of property and fix it and then flip it, what you're doing is you're taking the the house or the property at the market value that it has right then. It could be $25,000 because it's in a 
you know, rundown neighborhood. It's it's a small house. It's just kind of it needs kind of rebuilding. Maybe it's got a huge foundation issue, and you can take ten, fifteen thousand dollars for a total investment of forty thousand dollars, and you can turn around and sell it for eighty. Yeah. Same house. You just added forty thousand dollar value simply by investing a little bit of money up front and then doing some work or hiring somebody to do the work. That's the beauty of real estate. You don't have to do the work. Yeah. There's always somebody that's willing to do the work for you. There's when what I found about the real estate investor community is that they're a really friendly bunch and they love to talk about what they're doing and they love to help other people get into it because it is something that if you get into it and you get to kind of run around the circles with people that are doing it, then you get to understand all the ifs, ins and outs that might trip you up. So I just love the community. I think most people that I've met through real estate clubs and things that I've been involved in is that they're really, really willing to help. I mean, they're just willing to go out there and help you. So let's look at uh, the types uh, or the benefits of real estate investing um, so that you can measure up whether this is something that you'd want to get into at some point. Uh, so the first probably most important thing with, uh, or the biggest benefit I would say is the equity. As David said, when you own a piece of property, it's yours. Your name is on it or your company name is on it or whatever, but ultimately it's yours. You That's why it's real property. It's real. You own it. It's physical. And that value of property can increase. As we've seen in real estate, If you, I remember my father-in-law bought, I, I learned this, I wasn't around when, when he did this, but he bought a house when he first married my mother-in-law and the house was $17,500. This wow. was in the 1960s, right? Uh, they sold it when they were in their 60s. They had lived in the house for 43 years. The house sold for 200 plus. I think it was 290 or something like that. So from 17,000 to 290, mm-hmm. all they did just live in it. And yeah. they, they didn't do anything. They upgraded from time to time. When you live 40 years in the house, you have to do that. But ultimately, they just lived in the house and the value of the property just increased. That's what I love about real estate. Overall, when you look at the market and the timing, it always goes up. Sure, it fluctuates just like the market does, but ultimately it's a fairly steady upward climb and you really want to catch those markets when they're the perfect time to buy. And as you get into it, you can learn that. Yeah. And, and you know, everybody's looking for a place to live mm-hmm. and people are keep, keep having babies. The population keeps growing. And so there's going to be continued opportunities uh, to find a place where people are going to be buying. You see the market growing. You see a city growing. You maybe buy right in the middle of the city or on the outskirts, depending on your price range. And you have a lot of flexibility. You can buy a more expensive property. You can buy something cheaper. But but people are always going to be looking for a place to live. And right. so uh, that's why we see it continue to go up over time. Yeah, it's a constant need that's never going to go away. Uh, another benefit to real estate investing is a write-off of depreciation. So you pay less in taxes. What happens is when you own a real estate property, there's a certain amount of that value of that property that's depreciated just because of the time uh, getting older. So the government sets a certain limit depending on the value of this real estate property, and they give you a certain amount off. So for instance, if you're, let's say you're cash flowing, and what I mean by that is you're making a profit of $5,000 out of that property in one year's time frame. Yeah. But the depreciation is 3000 So now the government looks at that and says, well, we're going to take the 3000 off the 5000 Now you only pay taxes on the two. But you understand you got all five, but you only pay taxes on the two. That's so big. So it's such a huge thing because over the years, that's and a property can can depreciate over many years, 24, 25 years, sometimes more if it's a commercial property. So it's a great benefit. Also, the other benefit, obviously, is cash flow. You can actually make money from this investment as you own it. So you don't have to wait until your 70s to start pulling out the money from the property. You get cash flow every single month if the investment is done in such a way that 
there's a certain amount of cost and the cost is less than what the rent is bringing in. Yeah, and you get to choose. Am I going to am I going to buy a property with the goal of having a positive cash flow where I get a paycheck every month or am I going to buy something where I'm planning to flip it and sell it quickly and, and maybe I don't get cash flow tomorrow, but a few months from now I sell it for a big profit. That you get to choose. That's the, it's in your control and there are a lot of different types. Yeah, and, and there are some properties where you buy and there's actually a negative cash flow. And some people say, well, why would you ever do that? Well, because if you buy in a certain area and you know that area is up and coming and you buy something that cannot cash flow because the value right now versus the cost and the benefit, meaning the, the income coming in, it's such that you may have to put in $50 to $100 a month just to be able to pay for the, the cost. And I think that sometimes that is a good investment because, again, if you do the market research and you understand their area and you understand the potential, within two to five years, sure, maybe you put 10000 into it over the next five years because you're putting $50, $100 a month into it. But in five years, you sell it triple the cost Yeah, because the area has completely changed. Yeah. Right? So some of those things are things that you learn over time, and we're not expecting you to, to get that from this podcast. What we're trying to tell you is that there are benefits mm -hmm. to doing this kind of investing, and it's something that really you should, you should consider. Yeah, and even if you're sinking in an extra 50 or $100 a month, uh, you know, A, there's a good chance the value is going to go up over time, and B, you're paying down, depending on how you set it up, you're paying down a mortgage or well, your a renters loan are paying it. down the mortgage. And that's, <laughs> that's it. the beauty. Yeah, that's it. Your renters are paying down the mortgage. And so you may have sunk 50 or 100 bucks, but the principal that's going into that may be four, five, six hundred dollars, depending on the deal. It could be a thousand dollars, could be ten thousand dollars, depending on the deal. But, but odds are, even though you may be a little bit light on the cash flow, uh, you actually are getting more equity quicker than you're than you're losing cash flow. So it depends on your deal and your financial situation. And that's what you're looking for. So the beauty of real estate that I really love is the fact that you can actually do the math and find out what your actual return is going to be. And it's a it's a fairly guaranteed return, especially if you buy a property the right way. You do the due diligence of getting it inspected, you understand what your costs are going to be, you, you build those costs in, and now you know what your return is going to be. And Natalie and I bought a property about uh, six years ago. It's actually a little six years ago now. And we bought this property. We put 25% down. Uh, our total investment out of pocket was $32,000. Okay. That was six years ago. The property is now increased by $100,000 in value. Okay. Which we're not selling, but if we were, that's all profit. To that's us, already triple right? what you invested. Right. The other, the other thing that's happened is over the last six years, the property has made in rents over $100,000. So that's, again, another triple. So now you're at six times what right. you initially invest. Exactly. And we pocketed, meaning the, the actual benefit, uh, our actual profit from it was a little over $33,000. Wow. Okay. So made $33,000 in cash flow. They increased the property is $100,000. We, we had depreciation. So we wrote off a certain amount of the tax. That's what gave us this, this benefit. And now if I were to sell it, I'd walk away with a lot more money. And my, my actual return over the six years, I calculated, it was 17.2% average. Wow. Okay. Wow. Now, this past year, I've done better in my passive investing in uh, stocks, but I'm not going to make that average for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Right. Because we looked that. at the 100-year averages exactly. you know, last exactly. week, and we talked about you know, over 20, 30, 40 years, you're expecting 8, 9, 10%, maybe 11% in a good stretch. Mm -hmm. But here you're talking about pretty consistently 12 to 15%, and if done well, 17% return. Mm -hmm. 
but it takes a little bit of effort. It takes a little bit of energy. Sure. And you got to look up front. You can't go in blind. Yeah. And, and it does sometimes take a little bit of sweat equity. I had to uh, update one of the one of the apartments. I updated the other one. I hired somebody to do. Um, so there's a cost involved. But the beauty of doing it this way is that realize that your renters are going to pay for all of these. If you do this deal right and if you manage it well, and again, you, you have to have a budget for it. You have to uh, anticipate all the costs and put those costs in. So you're not, you know, I could be cash flowing, you know, $800, $900 a month, but I know not all of that is mine because from time to time I have to replace something. I have to get something uh, repaired. So I set that money aside for it. So I manage it the way I manage my personal finance. I have a budget for it. I have anticipated costs. I put that money aside. So when those expenses happen, then I'm ready for it. And my renters have been paying down my mortgage. Yeah. So that eventually it'll be paid off and the whole equity is mine. Yeah. The whole asset is mine. Yeah. So, so there's a huge benefit to you personally as you're investing in this property. Uh, but realize that just because somebody else is paying down the mortgage doesn't mean that you're taking advantage of them. You're providing a service where you have provided housing for another family, which is also kind of cool. Like you have provided a place where someone can rent and that means they're not being locked into a 30-year mortgage or a 15-year mortgage. Maybe you rent year to year and you're giving them the option to be more flexible in their life. Uh, you're giving someone else the opportunity to live there and as long as somebody buys into that willingly, you know, you're serving them. So you're now serving someone individually, you're helping their family. And over time, the mortgage is being paid off. And Leo, I, you know, I know your percentages here. And I know you personally, I know that you have been generous towards the people that live in the places that you rent out, and that you have you've given them even discounts compared to market rates. So now you don't have to do that. It's just part of your personality. It's part of your character. But, but when you do that, think about you may be able to help someone while still making a really great profit and you're serving the community around you. You keep your house nice and clean. You take care of it. The community continues to get better. This is part of just being a great, in my mind, this is part of being a great human being. You know, you take what you've earned and you begin to invest it and you serve other people with that investment. And that's cool to me. Yeah. Well, in episode nine, we talked about generosity. It's uh, giving is one of those areas where uh, it's part of our, our life. It's something that we should aspire to do. And my wife and I have a real desire to help. So we always want to have margins. So if something happens, if we find somebody in need, um, we, can, we can help. We, we feel like we've been blessed and that's something we want to do. And in fact, when we bought this property, we had a, a, a woman that living there, a single woman that was in her late 60s. And actually, I'm sorry, she was in the early 60s when, when we rented the apartment to her. And the rent was way below the market. I mean, way below the market. And we actually kept it at that rate until she was able to find assisted living. She she was trying to find one of these rental places where the government covers some of it and she covers some of it. And um, she was able to find one a couple of years after, after we bought the property. But I knew, and you know, I knew that if, if we were to raise the rent, she was going to have a hard time. Yeah. deciding between paying the rent or buying food. Yeah. And here's the beauty of it. We didn't have to have all that money. We could sacrifice $100, $200 a month. And to me, I think I got more in return helping her yeah. rather than me making an extra, extra $200. And here's what I love about that. I have the capacity to do that because I manage my money in a way that gives me that ability. And all of us have that capability. Mm -hmm. We just have to make a decision to live within our means, to create margin, and to allow that type of situation to 
to allow us to do those kind of things when when it comes about. So it, it's again, it's not about us, it, but but when I when I know I've been blessed, when I realize and I look at my life, I realize how much I've been blessed. Um, I love the ability to provide a safe apartment complex for someone to live in, and I know that they appreciate it, and I know it it also benefits me. So it's a win-win. Yeah. You know, here we're talking about getting money right. And part of getting money right is that the dollar isn't always the end game. Um, you know, we want to live a life that serves other people, that is full, that, that focuses on your family. And we're talking about using money in order to fulfill your vision, the thing that, that's been put inside of you that you want to accomplish with your life. And I think a big part of that has to be serving others. And so you live in such a way, just like Leo said, where you live below your means so that you can serve others and that you you create this environment around you of joy and generosity. And it's really the funnest way to live. I agree. I agree. Let's talk a little bit about the the two main ways I think that most people that are listening would be interested that are, I think most people are familiar with this type of real estate investing, which is single family home or a duplex or, or fourplex. So it's two or four units. Once you go over four, once you go to five, and it changes. So we're not going to touch on that because that's a larger complexes and that's a little bit more complicated than we need to go into this podcast. But let's touch on the single family home and also on the, on the multifamily up to a fourplex. Yeah, well, so some of the benefits of doing a single family home, and that's when we're not talking about a duplex or a fourplex. We're talking about just one family is going to live in this two bedroom, three bedroom, four bedroom home. A, if it's a single family, a lot of times somebody will rent from you for a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Your tenants tend to stick around. And because of that, you're not having a month or two in between where you're trying to find new tenants. You're not having to repaint. You're not having to do new flooring. And so if you can have tenants be there for a longer period of time, all of a sudden your maintenance goes down, your relationships go up, which is cool. And you just have a, a longer longer relationship, which makes it overall easier. Uh, and more profitable. Yes, because absolutely. If, you, if you're not switching out that tenant, you don't have turnover every single year, then think of all the money that you're saving. If you have a tenant staying for five years, that's f- potentially four times that you would have had to turn that apartment over or that house over. And every time you do, it's going to cost you money. Yeah. And so your value is going to increase uh, as you stay. If you have tenants here for a long time, the value of a single family home tends to go up, uh, especially if you just do basic upgrades and repairs. The home's going to go up in value. They typically hold their resale value, especially if you have it in a thriving community. Uh, You're maintaining that home. The resale value is going to go up. Property taxes are often lower uh, than multifamily units and definitely typically lower than commercial real estate. So there's a lot of good reasons why. What are some of the cons, Leo? So some of the cons are that it's less diversified. What that means is that you only have one location, one rent. So that house is is dependent on that renter paying every single month. So if you have that renter decide, hey, I'm going to buy my own home, I'm moving out or I'm moving to a different place, then you're going to have to put somebody else in. And if it's empty for one month or two months or three months, there's no income coming in. So that means you're, if there's a mortgage on it, of course, there's going to be taxes, there's going to be insurance, there's going to be maintenance, and you're going to have to do that out of pocket. So again, that's part of the benefit of having them in there is that you don't have to do that very often. But when you do, typically for renting a home, because it's a larger place and and you need a specific size family that needs that specific size house and all of that. So it's typically a little harder to get somebody in. But once you get them in, they tend to stay longer. So that's a good thing. Uh, another one is the property cost may be higher due to homeowners associations. Some places, depending on where you live in the country, those homeowners fees could be 
sometimes hundreds of dollars per month. Yeah. So hopefully that's not the case, but that is a potential. The fix-up cost may be high, and you may have to renovate the property before renting it out. So depending on the kind of condition you're buying it, you have to figure that into the deal. And turnover could be high, and um, more square feet is, is something that people look for. And so depending on the kind of home you have that to rent out, that, that may affect it. But ultimately, the bigger it is, the, the more space you have to clean, yeah. update, maintain between renters, and that, that could be a con. Yeah, single-family homes, people always want a, a nice, large home, and so that's what they're looking for on the market. It, it doesn't mean they're always going to get that, but that's what they're looking for. And so that means if you own a larger home, you've got to clean it when, when renters move out. You've got to update it. So just be aware. There's a few more complexities. So let's look at the, the duplex and the multifamily. Uh, you know, usually we're talking here about two to four units. And this is a great investment for people who are just starting out. Leo, this is what you did, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's great because it gives you that ability to, to have less risk um, due to both tenants moving out at the same time. So you have this one tenant covering the cost pretty much of everything that's going on at the property. So the other tenant is just, it's all profit. So this has happened to us where one tenant moves out and the other one's still in there. And the beauty of it is that it, one tenant literally would cover like 95% of the cost of, of the property. Wow. So that was great because we rarely ever lost money on the property. Uh, there was only one time that, that we made less than 12%. We made like 11 point some percent. Uh, one year, and that's because we had a tenant that we had in there for four months, lost a job, ended up not paying. Unfortunately, we had to evict him, and that's not a fun process, but one that you have to learn. It's part of it, and I got to be honest, just touch on this for a moment. I think this is something that we'll may, maybe talk about a little bit later, but some people have fear of getting into real estate because maybe they'll get that renter from you know where. <laughs> uh, and, and unfortunately, it can't happen. But what I found out is that you can you can literally um, avoid those scenarios 95% of the time by just doing a good job of screening your tenants, right? Don't, don't be the nice guy to let somebody in that tells you a great story, but their information, their credit history, their background information is just not good. Don't take that chance. You have other tenants, especially in a duplex or quad, you're going to have other tenants in that area. So be smart. Uh, again, I ha- I rented to someone that unfortunately didn't pay. I maintained my integrity. I worked as best as I can to help. But eventually I said, I'm sorry, you got to go. And I had to do it. it. I can't lose money on the property. And unfortunately, it just did. it wasn't a great experience. But it didn't sour me toward real estate. I don't think anyone can do that or should do that because it is a good investment. I did my part. And as long as you do your part, you have the legal right to, to hold that person to that, to that contract. I, when I sign a contract, I take ownership of the fact that I'm going to provide a safe place. And when something breaks, I'm going to be Johnny on the spot. I'm going to be there ASAP. I'm three miles away from the property, so I will be there to, to fix any kind of issues. But I expect the same thing for a renter. And that's, that's just how you set up the business. And yeah. It's totally doable. And you came into it with your eyes wide open, Leo, to where you had that plan in place. You personally had margin in your finances. Mm-hmm. You had the emergency fund. You know, you had a plan knowing that if something goes wrong, you already had where you were going to get the documents from to do what needed to be done. And so it takes a lot of the headache and the hassle out if you already have a plan in place and you have a margin. And so before you do any of this investing, Mm -hmm. from passive investing to market investing to uh, buying property, you need to have that that emergency fund in place and you need to have your plan in place. Don't just go start investing in stocks without writing down 
why you're investing in it, what it looks like, how you're going to diversify. Make a plan. Don't just go buy property unless you have why you're buying property, what you're looking for, and really write out just a, a game plan. And I love that you did that in advance. Yeah. Um, so some of the other pros of a duplex uh, or multifamily is always in demand. You always have someone that's interested in renting your place. And again, it depends on the area, but the area we're in, it's a hard market right now. Rents rents have increased because a lot of companies have moved in the Dallas area. So it's we've seen that improvement in, in both the, the rental market, uh, there's a short supply in housing. Trends of, of uh, population is also going up in the next 20 years. So housing is always going to be a need. When you have multifamily in a duplex type of situation, it's much easier to rent it out because there are smaller units. They're usually for either a married couple or, or smaller families, and it's always in demand. You also spread out the cost, as we talked about. You spread out the cost of improvements and repairs over the multiple units. So one unit's making money while the other one may be empty while you're renovating it, but ultimately you're not losing money while you're also putting money into uh, updating it. And if you do less than four units, it doesn't require any special financing. You just do it like you normally would any any property, any personal property or home that you would buy for yourself. Yeah. And you know, one of these other great things here is that we're talking about investing in real estate. Maybe you're not ready to go out and buy a property yet, but you could just kind of dabble in the market by choosing a passively uh, managed investment that is run. Uh, let me say this again. It, it, it's passive to you, but it's run by a professional. It would be a real estate investment trust. And you could go to a mutual fund that invests in real estate and you could actually be putting money into somebody else going and doing the hands-on labor. Now, I'm pulling up some of these real estate investment trusts that are through the brokers that I use, mm-hmm. and and the rates of return are still great, still in that 9 to 10% range. But, Leo, you got 17%, and you got 17% because you put in the labor. You right. you chose the tenant. You didn't. There's no management fee that goes to a professional to manage the property for you. You stepped in and did the work. But it's cool because you can invest in property without even necessarily owning physical property. Uh, there's a lot of good things here. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we just hit the the kind of the top of the iceberg. Uh, there's so much more that we can talk about. Maybe in future episodes, if if you guys tell us you're interested in it, we'll, we'll dive a little deeper. But just a couple of things uh, to consider as you may consider a real estate in the future is when you're looking to buy, take a general contractor. Uh, with you to inspect the property. Uh, certainly get it inspected, especially if you've not if you're not familiar with the process, you don't understand property condition, don't know what to look for, hire a professional uh, and and they'll do it. It's usually about $500 cost, but it's more than worth it. And then get a termite inspector. So all of this is part of just making sure that when you're buying, you're buying something that's not going to be a big mess and you're not going to end up losing money right up front. And there's so much of this that you can do on the front end. Uh, it, in real estate, they say you make your money when you buy the property, when not yeah. when you sell it. So you have to be very careful that you're buying something. And taking a general contractor is great. And I'll tell you why I do it. Because a general contractor is looking for work. So they're going to go in there and try to pick everything apart that's not perfect because they want the job. They want to fix it. Now, you as a buyer, you're going in inspecting this property and you're saying, okay, that's broken. That needs to be replaced. That needs to be whatever. So what happens now, you can go back to the negotiation table and say, I'll give you the price, but you have to discount it because of these things. And now you don't pay for it. They pay for it because they lower the cost or do the repairs themselves. So you're taking care of those big ticket items or things that that might cost you financially with this property and maybe make it a, a liability rather than a 
uh, you know, profit. Yeah, don't get overly excited about a property just because it looks great from the outside. Uh, having an attractive curb appeal is is a huge benefit. But if you get inside the home and the walls uh, make the rooms look smaller and the ceiling is curved in weird ways, mm-hmm. and then you find out there's there's some foundation issues and there's termite damage, so I mean, you can begin to peel that onion apart. And there's a lot of layers. So the curb appeal is great, but be aware that sometimes. Curb appeal is not everything. You've got to take that general contractor with you. Yeah. And the other the other part of it is the maintenance issues that I think sometimes people are fearful of getting into it because they're not mechanically inclined and they don't know how to fix anything or don't want to. And they're worried that that might be something that just goes uh, crazy. But if you do your due diligence and you hire someone at the front end to do a good inspection of the property or get a general contract to walk through it, you can be apprised of those costs and take care of those things on the front end and it takes away some of those headaches that you might have to do yourself. And you could always hire people to do this stuff for you. You don't have to do it yourself. Yeah. And it may lower your investment rate of return by a little bit, but it might make it a lot easier. And when you, you have the freedom. With your family. Right? Right. Yeah, exactly. You have the freedom. You don't have to worry about, you know, getting woken up at three o'clock in the morning because the toilet's plugged up. You just have a manager do it. So it, here's the thing. If you're thinking about real estate, but the only thing keeping you back is the fact that you are not mechanically inclined, you don't know what that cost is going to be. It's typically 1% of the value of the property. So if you buy a $200,000 property, just consider you're going to spend about $2,000 maintaining that property. Now, if you have to do some major repairs or replacement of maybe an HVAC system or something like that, you should know that when you buy the property and begin to set money aside. That's why we budget because you steadily put that money aside. So when that thing finally quits, you just go ahead and buy it because the money's already there from your renters, not from your own income, from their income. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a few ways that you can make sure that you're successful in this. You know, one, save that first year's income, build up cash. So let's say you have great cash flow in the property. Don't go take that cash flow and spend it on ice cream. I know it's tempting. Bluebell's back in business. Why would you not? <laughs> no, you know, don't go waste that cash. This is just like when you're doing long-term investing uh, in the market and you're planning in a retirement fund that you're not going to touch that money for 10, 20, 30 years. I'm not saying you can't touch the money for that long, but for the first year, don't touch it. Let it grow. And now you've got your personal emergency fund of three to six months. Now you've got a business emergency fund. And if you want to be fancy, you call it retained earnings. <laughs> you know, that's what the business community calls it. You've retained those earnings and you let them sit in a savings account. Uh, the property should be able to support itself through rents. Um, and if you need to invest cash in the future, it should be cash that you saved on the front end off of profits, not continually sucking from your personal budget. So, you know, we talk about this all the time, but if you're going to have a business, set up a business account and then set up your personal accounts and don't let them, don't let them mix. You only want to send an investment in on the front end and then let the business run itself and bring cash flow out of it. Uh, you know, run this like a business, separate budgets all around, make sure your taxes, insurance, repairs, and replacement costs are all handled out of that business account. Uh, take the profit and then reinvest it and pay down the mortgage. And the, the less debt you have on that property, the less risk you have. Mm-hmm the less opportunity for you to get upside down in a way that you can't get out of. Uh, And so the cool thing is that you can leverage a little bit when you're investing in property and you can spend a little bit less money up front and buy larger properties, but don't over leverage yourself. This is not a place to be foolish. We want you to be conservative. We want you to be wise and we want you to not have to squeeze every dollar out of your tenants. We want you to have the ability to be generous over time 
And sometimes it takes a while to get there. Uh, you know, don't think of this money as a way to increase your lifestyle. Think of the long-term benefit that you're going to get. And that's that's investing one-on-one. You'd never think about investing for the purpose of just increasing your lifestyle. You're investing for the purpose of growing that investment over time. So if you decide, I'm going to invest 10, 15% of my income so that I can invest in real estate and other things, just don't ever consider that money as money usable until you get to the point where you stop working for a living and now you can live off of that income. Well, with that, we want to thank you for joining us in this episode. Uh, if you enjoyed it, please go on social media and share it and and go on to iTunes or the podcast place that you're listening and please like it and then add a review. If you'll add a review, that means so much to us. We go back and read those. We like to know how it's going for you. Share it with your friends. Let your family know. Um, put it out on your LinkedIn or your Facebook or your Instagram. Do it as a, as a thank you to us. You know, I know that sometimes it's like, okay, should I share this? Should I not share it? Share it as a thank you. This benef- this episode benefited me. I'm just going to share it and say, hey, I really enjoyed listening. It's the generous thing to do. It's the generous thing to do. <laughs> well, you can find the show notes on this episode, plus more content and resources at leosabo.com. So L-E-O-S-A-B-O, leosabo.com. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. Thanks, guys. control the CEO or the owner of the company. You can control this piece of property. And there's a bunch of really cool tax benefits that are not available with most other investments.